Section 15 of The Science History of the Universe, Volume 4. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Lawrence Trask, Mount Vernon, Ohio, InterfaceAudio.com. The Science History of the Universe, Volume 4. Edited by Francis Rolt Wheeler. Chemistry. Chapter 11. Berzelius and the Development of the Atomic Theory. Complete success had rewarded the exertions of Lavoisier, and through the efforts of Proust, Richter, Dalton, Gay-Lussac, and Davy, the spirit of order was creeping in on all sides. But it was exceedingly fortunate for chemistry that an investigator with the sense of coordination that Berzelius possessed should have made his advent just at this time, when laws required confirmation and theories nourishment. The foundations of the new system required extension and generalization, and how opportune was the appearance of one who could illumine the whole domain of chemistry. Berzelius ruled as an autocrat for over a quarter of a century, and the modern chemist can hardly over-extol his obligation to him. Johns Jacob Berzelius was born at Walversunda in Ostergotland, Sweden, on August 20, 1779. His father was a schoolmaster in Linköping, and died four years after the birth of his son, who for some time afterward had to endure many privations. Berzelius studied medicine at Uppsala, and subsequently practiced, but he had early acquired a devotion to chemistry, and kept in close touch with it. He was but twenty when he undertook his first extensive chemical research, an investigation of the medical springs at Medivi, in the neighborhood of his birthplace. A short time after, in 1802, in conjunction with Heisinger, he commenced the examination of the action of the electric current on various salts, with the most far-reaching results for chemistry and for himself. For almost immediately, the desire to keep so promising a student in Stockholm induced the authorities to create for him a new academic position, that of Assistant Professor of Medicine, Botany, and Pharmacy at the University of Stockholm. In 1807, he was installed in the Chair of Medicine and Pharmacy, and also taught chemistry at the Military College from the year 1806. In 1815, he accepted the Chair of Chemistry in the Chirurgico-Medical Institute of Stockholm, where he accomplished the researches which made him famous, and where his lectures enabled him to impress his views upon the rising generation of chemists. Among his pupils may be mentioned Heinrich and Gustav Rose, Mitscherlich, Wohler, Christian Gottlob Gmelin, Magnus, Mosander, Svanberg, and Sefström. From the year 1818, when he was nominated permanent secretary to the Stockholm Academy, of which he had been a member since 1808, and more particularly after 1832, when Mosander succeeded him in his chair, Berzelius devoted himself to literary work, with a subservience which has hardly been equalled, from a utilitarian standpoint, by any chemist, before or after him. He died on the 7th of August, 1848. 
Berzelius was an exceptional observer and a most accurate and operose investigator, exhibiting very close attention to details. It is difficult to render an account of his achievements, as they extended over almost the entire field of chemistry and produced reforms of great importance. And one must not forget that the laboratory in which Berzelius accomplished his famous researches was small and imperfectly equipped. To give Wohler's description of his first visit to it, no water, no gas, no hoods, no oven were to be seen. A couple of plain tables, a blowpipe, a few shelves with bottles, a little simple apparatus, and a large water barrel, whereat Anna, the ancient cook of the establishment, washed the laboratory dishes, completed the furnishings of this room, famous throughout Europe for the work which had been done in it. In the kitchen which adjoined, and where Anna cooked, was a small furnace and a sand bath for heating purposes. Berzelius introduced many improvements in analytical chemistry. It was he who first employed far smaller amounts of substances than the large quantities recommended by Klaproth, who introduced the spirit lamp, which bears his name, thereby rendering the incineration of filter paper and the ignition of precipitates facile, and who worked out many new methods of analysis. Among the latter were his plan of decomposing silicates by the aid of chlorine. He enriched mineralogy by many analysis of minerals and mineral waters, and in a number of these, for example, those of platinum ores, he devised new methods of separation. Berzelius was the first to characterize minerals as being in every respect chemical compounds, and he classified them similarly to substances prepared artificially. He was also able to demonstrate that the doctrine of chemical proportions, and consequently the atomic theory, was applicable to minerals. The close attention which Berzelius gave to details resulted in the discovery of selenium, 1817, Thuria, 1828, and in conjunction with Heisinger and independent of Klaproth, he discovered Saria, 1803. He also discovered many new chemical compounds, among which were the compounds of selenium with hydrogen and oxygen, and some molybdenum compounds, isolated the elements silicon, 1810, zirconium and tantalum, 1824, and extended the knowledge of the platinum metals. Passages in the work of Berzelius indicate that he regarded the firm establishment of the doctrine of chemical proportions, and in conjunction with this, the determination of the atomic weights of the elements and the constitution of chemical compounds as his main task. To quote from his Lehrbuch der Chemie, 5th edition, I resolved to make the analysis of a number of salts, whereby that of others might become superfluous. I soon convinced myself by new experiments that Dalton's numbers were wanting in that accuracy which was requisite for the practical application of his theory. I recognized that if the newly arisen light was to spread, it would be necessary to ascertain with the utmost accuracy the atomic weights of all elementary substances, and particularly those of the more common ones. Without such work, no day would follow the dawn. 
This was, therefore, the most important object of chemical investigation at the time, and I devoted myself to it with unresting labor. After work extending over ten years, I was able, in 1818, to publish a table which contained the atomic weights, as calculated from my experiments, of about 2,000 simple and compound substances. In the years 1812 to 1816, Berzelius investigated the stages of oxidation of most of the metals and metalloids then known, and by determining the composition of these oxides, confirmed the law of multiple proportions. His analytical work greatly surpassed that of Dalton, and in the rules established for his guidance in deciding the number of atoms in a given compound or molecule, he exhibited a far greater knowledge. Still, his rules were, in some respects, arbitrary and unsatisfactory. He took oxygen equals 100 as his standard, giving as his reason for this preference the following. To refer the other atomic weights to that of hydrogen offers not only no advantages, but has in fact many inconveniences, seeing that hydrogen is very light and is seldom a constituent of inorganic compounds. Oxygen, on the other hand, unites all the advantages in itself. It is, so to speak, the center point round which the whole of chemistry revolves. This view is again at the present time held by many chemists who take 16 as the atomic weight of oxygen and base the atomic weights of all the other elements upon this number. Berzelius began his work at the time when Wollaston was attempting, by his use of the term equivalence, to eliminate the question of atoms. Thompson was employing the standard oxygen equals one. Considering that this number would give more of the atomic weights as whole numbers, and failing to perceive that the law of volumes had any particular significance from the atomic standpoint. Berzelius, however, perceived in the law of volumes a corroboration of the atomic theory, and allowed himself to be guided by it in his views upon the number of atoms in chemical compounds, and consequently upon the numerical values of the atomic weights. His volume theory contained the attempt to combine Gay-Lussac's law with the atomic theory. He set forth the atomistic view, which he had himself put into shape under the influence of the law of volumes, definitely and conclusively in two papers. He started with the assumption that in the case of every simple substance, when it was in the gaseous form, one volume corresponded with one atom, and therefore made use of the designation volume atoms for those smallest particles. Wherever it was practicable, he attempted to measure the volumes of the combining substances, and from these deduced the atomic numbers. The analysis of the compound in which the volumes of the elementary constituents were known led him to the true determination of the atomic weights of the latter. For example, from the fact that water consists of two volumes of hydrogen and one of oxygen, he deduced the atomic composition of water, which holds at the present day together with the relative atomic weights of oxygen and hydrogen, and from the mode of formation of carbonic oxide and carbonic acid, 
he arrived at the true composition of these compounds and at the atomic weight of carbon and so forth still the use which berzelius made of gay lussac's law was too limited to free him from the necessity of employing rules for deciding the number of atoms in compounds in eighteen eighteen berzelius gave a table of atomic weights which contained values which compare favorably with those of other observers nine years later he published another table which brought his atomic weights still closer to those now current the reason given by berzelius for having in eighteen twenty six many of the atomic weights assigned to the metals in 1818 was as follows it is known that the oxide of chromium contains three atoms of oxygen chromic acid for the same number of chromium atoms contains twice as much oxygen which would be six atoms but in its neutral salts chromic acid neutralizes an amount of a base containing one-third as much oxygen as it contains itself a relation found to hold in the case of all acids with three atoms of oxygen for example sulfuric acid and sulfates in order to harmonize the multiple relation between the amount of oxygen in the oxide and in the acid it is most probable that the acid contains three atoms of oxygen to one atom of chromium and the oxide three atoms of oxygen to two of chromium isomorphous with the oxide of chromium are those of manganese iron and aluminum those also we know to contain three atoms of oxygen and consequently must represent them as containing two atoms of the radical but if the ferric oxide consists of two fe plus three oxygen the ferrous oxide is fe plus oxygen but if the ferric oxide consists of two ferric plus three oxide the ferrous oxide is ferric plus oxide and the whole series of oxides isomorphous with it contains one atom of the radical and one atom of oxygen thus we see that e mischerlich's law of isomorphism that compounds of analogous composition and containing the same number of atoms crystallize in the same crystalline form announced in 1819 and which berzelius regarded as the most important since the establishment of the doctrine of chemical proportions was an aid in testing his atomic weight determinations for according to him isomorphism indicated similarity in atomic constitution berzelius further showed that with the exception of cobalt and silver the law of specific heat justified the change made in 1826 this law was advanced in 1819 by p l dulong and t a pettit who in investigating the specific heats of the metals and other bodies reached the important conclusion that these were very nearly inversely proportional to their atomic weights multiplied by their atomic weights the specific heats gave a constant quantity this resulted in the law as stated by them the atoms of the different elements have the same capacity for heat it is not difficult to perceive that by means of the specific heat one could readily approximate the true atomic weight and arrive at a decision as to which of the two or more possible figures represented the true weight 
there were exceptions to the law which have been explained only in late years however the law was extended to simple chemical compounds and proved of great assistance after it was more fully understood berzelius opposed the acceptance of it at first in part because it would necessitate a revision of his table of atomic weights and might endanger the accepted views as to some of the atomic relations he gradually gave up this position however when the law was confirmed by other workers and more accurate determinations were made than the first ones of dulong and pettit berzelius substituted for dalton's geometrical symbols a more convenient system of chemical notation which to give his own words might facilitate the expression of chemical proportions show briefly and clearly the number of elementary atoms in each compound and after the determination of their relative weights present the results of each analysis in a simple and easily retained manner the atom of each element was represented by the initial letter of its latinized name a second letter being added when two elements had names beginning with the same capital an index number was added when more than one atom was present a compound was thus represented by placing the proper number of these symbols side by side thus h is hydrogen cl is chlorine and hcl is hydrogen chloride berzelius assumed the existence of certain double atoms where two atoms of an element occur together these were indicated by a mark across the symbol thus h with a stroke through it followed by o was water or as it is now written h2o for convenience sake an atom of oxygen was often indicated by a point or dot thus carbon dioxide c with two dots above it nitrous acid n with four dots above it potassium nitrate k n with three dots above the n these symbols were a great advance over those suggested by dalton which were diagrammatic and quite unpractical dalton however criticized the system of notation of berzelius saying that berzelius symbols are horrifying a young student in chemistry might as soon learn hebrew as make himself acquainted with them berzelius adopted dualism as the basis of his chemical system he extended the term atom so that it included what he regarded as compound atoms which were built up of two parts each of which might be a simple atom or a single simple atom this was the dual structure which dominated all his views with regard to chemical phenomena and far more than a decade held a preeminent position in chemistry berzelius seemed to have formed this idea of dualism from his observations upon the volumes of gases for a certain number of these gases the equivalent is formed of two atoms this was true not only of hydrogen but of nitrogen chlorine and others in the form of vapor the atomic weights of these bodies represent also the specific gravities or the weights of one volume compared with one volume of the standard but since it requires two volumes of nitrogen two volumes of chlorine etc to form the first stage of oxidation with oxygen two volumes of nitrogen etc represent the equivalents of these bodies compared with oxygen 
berzelius considered that these atoms therefore were united two and two and called them the double or compound atoms a uniform method of considering compounds dualistically became possible to a still greater degree in the light of electrical chemical phenomena and berzelius introduced this into chemistry and established it davy had inclined to the assumption that electrical processes and the phenomena of chemical affinity arose from a common cause his electrochemical theory was characterized by the axiom that the small particles of substances which have an affinity for one another only become oppositely electrified upon contact the researches of berzelius however caused the abandonment of this principle while otherwise many of davy's original ideas were retained davy advanced ideas as to the manner in which he considered chemical and electrical phenomena to be related but he never succeeded in producing a theory which might serve as the basis of a chemical system this was accomplished by berzelius and therefore his views are of greater importance in the development of chemistry than those of davy are to quote from a ladenberg's lectures on the history of chemistry according to berzelius it is not only when two substances are brought into contact that electricity is generated but it is a property of matter and in every atom two oppositely electrical poles are assumed these poles do not however contain equal quantities of electricity the atoms are unipolar the electricity of the one pole predominating over that of the other and thus every atom and therefore every element appears to be either positively or negatively electrical in this respect it is possible to arrange the elementary substances into a series so that each member is always more electronegative than the next succeeding one oxygen stands at the top and is absolutely electronegative while the other substances are only relatively positive or negative according as they are compared with elements which come before them or after them in the electrical series this series does not constitute a table of affinities in the Geoffrey Bergman sense, and it does not express the affinity of the individual substances for oxygen, for example. Berzelius has not forgotten Berthollet's teaching that affinity is not of a constant character and independent of the physical conditions as he supposes this unipolarity to be, and he is also well aware that oxygen can be removed from metallic oxides by carbon or sulfur, that is to say, by other electronegative substances. With him, affinity depends principally upon the intensity of the polarity, for example, upon the quantity of electricity which is contained in the two poles. This is variable, however, especially with changes of temperature, and generally speaking, is increased by furnishing more heat which explained why certain combinations only occurred at a high temperature. Chemical combinations of the elements or compounds consisted, according to Berzelius, in the attraction of the dissimilar poles of the small particles and in the consequent neutralization of the different electricities. When positive electricity predominated in the original substance, then an electropositive compound resulted, and vice versa. 
if the electricities neutralized one another, then an electrically indifferent product was the result. Oxygen, as the most electronegative element, served Berzelius here as the standard by which to determine the kind of polarity of the various elements. Those elements which yielded basic compounds with oxygen, even although only their lowest oxides were basic, were classed as electropositive, and those whose oxides were acids as electronegative. Following this principle, he arranged the simple substances in a series, in which oxygen, as the first member, was followed by the other metalloids, while hydrogen formed the bridge between the latter and the metals, the whole ending with sodium and potassium. Such conceptions formed the substance of his electrochemical theory, which constituted the basis of the dualistic theory of chemical composition. Berzelius established it as follows. If the electrochemical views are accurate, it follows that every chemical combination depends wholly and solely upon two opposite forces, namely the positive and the negative electricities, and that every compound must be composed of two parts, united by the effects of their electrochemical reactions, since there is not any third force. From this it follows that every compound substance, whatever the number of its constituents may be, can be divided into two parts, of which the one is positively and the other is negatively electrical. Thus, for example, sulfate of soda is not composed of sulfur, oxygen, and sodium, but of sulfuric acid and soda, each of which can, in turn, be separately divided into an electropositive and an electronegative constituent. In the same way, also, alum cannot be regarded as immediately composed of its elementary constituents, but is to be looked upon as the product of the reaction of sulfate of alumina as negative element with sulfate of potash as positive element. And thus the electrochemical view justifies what I have said with respect to compound atoms of the first, second, third, etc. orders. In the year 1819, when Berzelius contributed a complete exposition of his electrochemical theory, he was convinced that all acids contained oxygen. In his view, water assumed in hydrated acids the role of a weak electropositive constituent, and in metallic hydroxides that of a weak electronegative one. The hydrates of sulfuric acid and of cupric oxide, therefore, received the formula H2O.SO3. CUO.H2O. The binary conception, which had already been applied by Lavoisier to acids and bases, and even by Ruel to salts, thus received the strongest support from the electrochemical theory, and was materially developed as a result. Finally, however, the theory of the oxygen acids, based on the tenet established by Lavoisier, was abandoned by chemists during the second decade of the 19th century, as a knowledge of facts in opposition to it augmented, and at last Berzelius convinced himself of the existence of acids free from oxygen, at which time the unadaptable system of dualism began to decline in favor. It had explained, however, the mysterious chemical force 
even though the identification of chemical affinity with electrical polarity was one not justified by the facts at hand and dominated chemistry for two decades as a result of the efforts of berzelius chemistry was now in the possession of a comprehensive theory of chemical reaction a rational and systematic nomenclature and a large quantity of experimental data he was responsible for a solid basis in the laws of constant proportions and multiples and the table of atomic weights which he published in eighteen twenty seven was remarkably accurate the determinations approaching the more exact work of the present time these contributions equipped chemistry for the period of remarkable extension in the accumulation of data and in the formulation of theory which the past eighty years have witnessed mention has been made of the law of de long and pettit and of the law of michelik the exceptions to the former exhibited by many of the non-metals in a greater or lesser diminution of the atomic heats have only in some measure been explained in recent years by the proof that the specific heats of such elements vary greatly with the temperature in the case of simple chemical compounds a relation was soon found between their specific heats and atomic weights by newman in 1831 who said i find that for compound substances a simple relation exists between the specific heats and the stoichiometric quantities and i call stoichiometric quantities the amounts of substances which as for instance in the case of the anhydrous carbonates contain the same amount of oxygen while in the case of sulphur compounds the amount of sulphur is the measure of the stoichiometric quantity for chemically similar substances the specific heats are inversely proportional to the stoichiometric quantities or what comes to the same thing the stoichiometric quantities of chemically similar substances have the same heat capacity the investigation of the carbonates first led me to the discovery of this law Renault, who extended the empirical basis of the law of constant atomic heat in 1840, while engaged in investigations on the specific heats of compounds, corroborated Newman's results, but it was reserved for Kopp in 1865 to definitely prove that the connection between the specific heat and the composition of a compound holds in the perfectly simple and general manner enunciated by Pettit and Dulong and that heat capacity is of the nature of an additive property the law of mitscherlich was the outgrowth of coordinating physical form with chemical composition a question which until the time of eyjord mitscherlich 1794 to 1863 had been attacked entirely from the crystallographic side in 1801 abe hoy 1743 to 1822 the founder of the science of crystallography produced a system of mineral classification based first on their crystalline character and secondly on their chemical composition his guiding principle was that every difference in the fundamental form of a crystal implied difference in its chemical composition this supposed law was supported by numerous facts but there were also on record well-defined and undoubted exceptions as far back as 1772 romay de lisle had observed that copper sulphate and ferrous sulphate crystallize from a mixed solution in the form of the latter 
and in 1788, Klaproth established the chemical identity of rhombohedral calcite and rhombic argonite. Mischerlich was the first to recognize definitely the relation between crystalline form and chemical constitution. He explained the occurrence of isomorphous crystals in substances of different nature by demonstrating that they possessed a similar chemical composition. For instance, he found on examining the salts of phosphoric and arsenic acids that only those of analogous composition and containing equal amounts of water of crystallization were isomorphous. His subsequent investigations of selenates and sulfates, of the isomorphism of magnesium and zinc oxides, and of iron, chromium, and aluminum salts, confirm the intimate connection existing between crystalline form and chemical composition. Primarily after making these observations, Mischerlich was of opinion that isomorphism depended chiefly on the number of the elementary particles, but he soon became convinced that the chemical nature of these had also to do with it. The importance of Mischerlich's work met with immediate recognition, and data in support of the law were quickly accumulated. With regard to its deductive application, it is employed for purposes of classifying the elements and of atomic weight determinations. From the isomorphism of the salts of an acid of selenium with sulfates and chromates, Mischerlich was led to the discovery of that acid, selenic acid, and his recognition of the isomorphism with potassium sulfate of the green potassium salt of a manganese acid and of the isomorphism with potassium percolate of the red potassium salt of another manganese acid has revealed the true composition of these two acids. It has been mentioned how the isomorphism of sulfates and chromates induced Berzelius to modify the formula of basic chromic oxide and a subsequent halving of the atomic weights of most of the metals. He still adhered to the idea that the amounts of the elements contained in equal gaseous volumes were proportioned to their atomic weights. However, this assumption was soon invalidated by the remarkable results of an investigation which exercised such a marked influence on the views of many chemists that it must be described at this point. This was the work of Jean-Baptiste André Dumas, 1800 to 1884 on the atomic weights. In 1827, Dumas published a paper entitled Memoir on Some Points of the Atomistic Theory, in which he stated the object of these researches is to replace by definite conceptions the arbitrary data on which nearly the whole of the atomic theory is based. Dumas showed that the conception of the equivalent cannot be employed as the basis of a system because it loses its significance when it is extended further than to acids, to bases, and to other substances which closely resemble each other, oxides and sulfides, and particularly that it becomes quite obscure when the attempt is made to identify the equivalent with the combining weight, since very many substances can combine in several proportions for example, eight parts of copper are combined with one part of oxygen in cuprous oxide, while for eight parts of copper, two parts of oxygen are contained in cupric oxide. Calculated from these numbers, the equivalent of copper, referred to that of oxygen as unity, is eight 
or four. In order to confirm his ideas, Dumas adopted Avogadro's hypothesis as a basis and devised in 1827 an admirable method for the determination of vapor densities. He determined that the determination of the density of vapors and gases, elementary as well as compound, was necessary to elucidate the question of the composition of the elementary molecule. But his practice did not agree with his theory. He and his contemporaries argued from the premise that the vapor densities of elements are proportional not only to their molecular weights, but also to their atomic weights, which of course involved the unwarranted assumption that all elementary gaseous molecules are composed of the same number of atoms, for example, of two. He was successful in elaborating a method for conducting determinations of this kind at high temperatures, and used it for ascertaining the relative densities of the vapors of iodine, phosphorus, sulfur, mercury, etc. His results, from which he anticipated confirmation of his views, induced him to abandon them. He found the density of phosphorus vapor to be twice as great, and that of sulfur vapor to be three times as great as he had previously assumed, while that of mercury vapor was only one half of what he had supposed. In view of these facts, he began to doubt. In fact, he declared that even the simple gases do not contain, in the same volume, the same number of chemical atoms. According to him, the assumption could still be made that there is the same number of molecular or atomic groups present in equal volumes of all gases, but that this is only a hypothesis which cannot be of service. Dumas was obliged to admit that Gay-Lussac's law, when applied in the way he had applied it to the determination of atomic weights, furnished erroneous results. Hence he believed that it could not be employed for this purpose, and he abandoned Avogadro's hypothesis. Berzelius also was able no longer to maintain the law of volumes, so far as its application in atomic weight determinations was concerned, and confined his proposition to the permanent gases. The reform which Dumas had aimed at was, therefore, without result, and, if anything, he had merely introduced obscurity into the atomic weight system of Berzelius. As a result, chemists regarded Avogadro's law with indifference, the law of DeLong and Pettit was shown also to have some unexplained exceptions. And Michelik, by his further discovery of dimorphism, which had thrown much doubt upon his law of isomorphism. Consequently, at the close of the thirtieth year of this century, the atomic theory was regarded by many chemists as either disproved or excluded to a very hypothetical position. Even Gay-Lussac, and Liebig doubted whether it was possible to determine the relative weights of the atoms worth certitude, and would have left the atomic weights out of consideration, substituting the establishment of equivalence. Leopold Gmelin, however, was at the head of the movement to supplant the system of Berzelius by the equivalence of Wollaston. According to Gmelin, there was no strict distinction between mixtures and compounds, and this demonstrates that he did not believe in the real existence of atoms. Two substances, especially when they possess only a weak affinity for each other, can combine, according to him, in an infinite number of proportions, 
but the greater the affinity the greater is their tendency to combine in few proportions only these proportions then stand to each other in simple relations there can therefore be assigned to every substance a certain weight in which it combines with definite weights of other elements this weight is the stoichiometric number the chemical equivalent the mixture weight or atomic weight and so on compounds are composed in such proportions that one mixture weight of one substance is united to a quarter a third a half two-thirds three-quarters one one and a half two two and a half three four five six seven or more mixture weights of the other according to gamelin guy lussac's law runs as follows one measure of an elastic fluid substance combines with one one and a third two two and a half three three and a half and four measures of the other gamelin's table of equivalents is well known it ran h equals one o equals eight s equals sixteen c equals six etc water was written h o and in formula generally the attempt was made to replace by simplicity what they had lost in conception and in purpose as ladenberg observes chemistry was to become a science of confined observation indeed almost to description alone skill in manipulation was all that was required speculation was banished as dangerous it had come to this then inorganic chemistry in connection with physics had not been able to maintain the conception of the atom by the assistance of the growing science of organic chemistry however the theories of chemistry were rescued and advanced and the atomic theory was reintroduced but reference must be made to the status of the atomic theory in england at this time in england in the eighteen thirty three edition of edward turner's elements of chemistry the atomic theory is referred to as follows in consequence of the satisfactory explanation which the laws of chemical union receive by means of the atomic theory it has become customary to employ the term atom in the same sense as combining proportion or equivalent a discovery of great importance was made in eighteen thirty four when michael faraday seventeen ninety four to eighteen sixty seven professor in the royal institution of london who had been engaged in studying quantitatively some changes produced by the passage of a current of electricity detected the connection which existed with the combining numbers of the elements and thereby deduced his law of electrical equivalence faraday made the observation that the same galvanic current decomposed electrolytes for example water hydrochloric acid and metallic chlorides in such a manner that equivalent amounts of hydrogen or metal were separated at the negative pole and the corresponding quantities of oxygen or chlorine at the positive he classified these facts together under the title of the law of definite electrolytic action in the determination of electrochemical equivalence he perceived a sure auxiliary means for adjusting chemical atomic weights in doubtful cases End of section 15. Recording by Lawrence Trask. Mount Vernon, Ohio. InterfaceAudio.com.